is February 7th, 2022, the year of our Lord. So glad that you have joined us. If you've stumbled into these times, we we are taking 10 to 15 minutes every Monday through Friday to unpack a portion of God's word. And what we're doing in these in this season is we're running concurrently with our series in the book of Romans. And so Romans being the the rich, um, just bottomless um, cavern of like biblical riches. So hard to mine all of those in in 30 or 40 minutes on a Sunday morning. So we we take these times during the week to to talk about corollaries or different ideas or themes that we maybe touched on on Sunday morning, but didn't have a chance to get into in depth. And so that's where we are. Now we've just concluded Romans chapter six. And one of the things that Paul has been attempting to address um, are various misunderstandings of the gospel. You know, Paul has spent all this time in, in Romans one and two, trying to show us our need for the gospel. And then he's talked in Romans three and four and five about the magnificence of this gospel and, and why it's such good news and how it works and how we are to receive it. And now he's turning his attention to how are we to live in light of the gospel? What, what is supposed to happen as a result of the gospel taking root in our lives? And Paul is addressing um, a set of very specific objections, misunderstandings, and distortions of the gospel in Romans 6 and 7. And that's where, we, that's where we've been. It's where we're going to be over the next several weeks as we, as we walk through uh, Romans 7 even. And so I thought this would be a good opportunity this week to sort of look at some of the misunderstandings of how we are to relate the gospel of grace, the good news of Jesus Christ, the fact that we can do nothing to earn our salvation, we can do nothing to add to the merits of our salvation. How do we relate that to the clear commands of of Christ that we walk in the light, that we produce fruit and bearing with repentance, that we are obedient from the hearts. And the thing that we looked at this past Sunday and that Paul really starts to drill down into um, is getting us to, uh, to understand that all of us are slaves to something. And l- let me read the relevant portion of this text to kind of give us a running start here. Paul says, Romans six fifteen, what then are we to sin because we are not under the law, but are under grace? That's, that's, that's the distortion, right? We have our get out of jail free card. We have our assurance of salvation. It really doesn't matter how we live. God's grace is going to cover it anyway. And Paul says, no, that's a deceptive and fatal misunderstanding of the gospel. He goes on in verse 16. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. Now, 
on one hand, that, that's an amazingly glorious text. It says, God has exchanged your slavery to sin to this um, loving, bound, safe, secure relationship with him. You've, you've exchanged the Lord of sin for the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And he says, because of that, you are no longer slaves to sin. You're slaves to righteousness. Well, part of, part of what can get confusing, at least on a spirit, experiential level, is that we now have a new Lord, we now have a new master, but we still have a, the same struggle within us. We still wrestle with sin. We still struggle with sin. Uh, we still fall into sin. And sometimes Christians fall into um, um, tragic sin, heinous sin. And we're just left wondering, shaking our heads, how did this happen? And the way that people have tried to talk about this and explain about that, explain this, um, in other words, what is the relationship between grace and what is the relationship between works? What is the relationship between faith? What is the relationship with that and what I do and my obedience? And I want to examine each day this week a, a one or two, each day today we're just going to focus on one misconception or misunderstanding of that relationship. And I want to keep bringing these things back to the gospel. Now, understand we can't um, address each of these things and put a little bow on them that's nice and neat in 10 or 15 minutes uh, by the end of our time. So these are be kind of sequential. And so these are all going to be sort of building towards the solution that the gospel provides for us in this arena. But but let me start with the with the misunderstanding of the gospel that that Paul first addresses here. And it's this idea that we can do what we want and still be saved. We can live a life of licentiousness, sinfulness, hardness of heart. It doesn't matter because we had a salvation experience. We had a conversion experience that we can point to at some, at some point in time. And, and because of that, it doesn't matter how, how we live. Paul's first response to this is to say, if you want to know if your heart is truly changed, if you want to know if you actually have a new master, in other words, if has the lordship of sin been exchanged for the lordship of Christ, then that's something you will be able to see and detect at some level in your life. In other words, there will be some level of change. And one of the, the things, um, a real destructive teaching that arose probably back in 40, 50, 60 years ago was this idea, at least in the Western world, of carnal man teaching. And this sort of teaching was based upon, I think, a misunderstanding of 1 Corinthians 3. Now, let me read that passage for us and it, it tell you what I think it means and then what it was misconstrued to be and how I think this led a lot of people down uh, a path of, of really being, of, of really misunderstanding a crucial biblical doctrine. So, so Paul is writing in 1 Corinthians 3. He's writing to a group of people, Christians in Corinth, who are struggling in their faith. They are not walking in obedience in every area of their life. And he says, but I, brothers, could not address you, excuse me, <clears throat> as spiritual people, 
but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. And even now you are not yet ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, you are not of the flesh and behaving only in human way. For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? Now, if you read this passage in the Old King James Version, the word for flesh, okay, or people of the flesh is translated as carnal. Paul is saying, you're spiritual people, the spirit of Christ lives in you, but you're living as if he doesn't. You're living as people who are carnal or fleshly or worldly, all right? Now, I think what's being, well, let me say this. The, one of the teachings that I think a, a misunderstanding of this text is to say that really Paul is talking in 1 Corinthians about three kinds of people, okay? He's talking about Christians, okay, who have the spirit of Christ, and they acknowledge the lordship of Christ in their life. You have non-Christians or non-spiritual people who don't, who don't profess Christ, who Christ is not reigning in their life. But then you have a third category of person called the carnal Christian or the fleshly Christian. This is the one who's the spirit of Christ is living in him, but they're just not submitted to the work of the spirit. And so, so there's three kinds of people. And I, and I even remember teachings on this when I was, when I was young where I was given a diagram of three different kinds of people. There's the Christian, the non-Christian, and the carnal Christian. And the question was always, which circle are you? Well, because I'm a sinner, and um, because Christ is not Lord over every, every area of my life, of course, I'm, I'm gonna say, well, I'm a carnal Christian. And the problem with that, in saying that, is a couple things, one, the scripture never speaks about there being three kinds of people, right? The scripture only speaks about there being two kinds of people, Christians, non-Christians. And of those who are Christians, there is still the battle against sin and the flesh. And so all of us are going to be carnal, all right, and fleshly, if we want to use that word, in different areas of our life because we're in the midst of our faith struggle, wanting to grow in sin and become um, I'm sorry, to grow in righteousness and become dead to sin. Well, when you hold up this idea of three people, all of a sudden you're really falling into the same trap Paul's trying to address. You're looking at that third circle, the one in the middle, the carnal Christian saying, well, I have my assurance. Jesus is my Lord. I'm going to heaven. I know I'm not being obedient. So what's the big deal? What's the incentive for change? And what we have to understand at that point is that works, the fruits, obedience, plays a really crucial role in understanding our salvation. Now, look, I want to say a statement, and then we're going to come back to this again and again this week. Works are not the foundation of our salvation. Works are not the basis for our salvation, okay? But works are the necessary result of our salvation. In other words, we are saved by grace, but that grace activates a change process within us by which we become dead to sin and alive to righteousness. And that's an inevitable outcome, okay? 
the golden chain of salvation, those God justifies, he sanctifies and changes. You can't separate those two. And we, we, we really see this, for example, in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, where Paul says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves, it is a gift of God that no one should boast. And then he goes on to say, knowing that you are prepared as God's workmanship, okay, to practice good deeds. So Paul never separates, right, um, justification by faith and sanctification by change. Now, the question becomes, what, how are we to think about this in terms of someone's life um, who maybe doesn't really result in any fruits of righteousness, someone who claims to know Christ but doesn't have any um, fruit to accompany that or any evidence of salvation? How are we to think about that? How are we also to think about someone who seems to have all the evidences of salvation, the fruit, the righteousness, but maybe doesn't really understand fully the gospel, how are we to think about that? Now, we're coming up on time here, so we're going to have to return to these two tomorrow. But, but for now, what we want to understand, I want to get this formula into our minds, and Luther said it this way, you, we are saved by faith alone, but we are not saved by a faith that is alone. Um, fruit, obedience, is the spirit-produced um, work or, or, or fruits of obedience in our life as a result of our changed heart. It's the result of salvation, not the basis for salvation. And we're going to pick that up again tomorrow. Lord, we want clarity on these things. <clears throat> we want to have biblical categories for them. Lord, we want to rightly understand them. And Lord, we know that the ultimate answer um, to this um, tricky question is Jesus. And in him and him alone do we have salvation. And Lord, we turn to him today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, everybody. Thanks. See you tomorrow. Hopefully with no more uh, cyber snafus. We'll be here right on time, 8 a.m. Thanks.